It is Friday the 15th of September and this is The Splash. Yep, it is Friday and this is The Splash. Uh, I'm Phil Pryor, your host. Uh, welcome in. The countdown to the weekend is on footy finals. Yeah, they're fastly approaching. Plenty on site right now at foxsports.com.au. In The Splash on the homepage, uh, we've got so much content for you. Uh, how about Golovkin v. Canelo, the ultimate guide? Uh, the Matildas, they've got Brazil in Newcastle Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff. Michael Morgan and Darius Boyd, both NRL stars, they've penned columns. And you can find both of those at the Fox Sports website right now, plus all the late mail out of both NRL and the AFL footballing codes. And Riley Beveridge analyzes how Richmond's 2016 trade period has skyrocketed the yellow and black to a preliminary final. But for today's episode, uh, something special. I'm, I'm taking a, a bit of a back seat. Uh, some, uh, my boss has pulled rank on me. Uh, I will welcome in uh, uh, Tony Harper. He's head of Fox Sports Digital. He's going to take the reins uh, for the splash today and maybe uh, review the, the first week of, of this new uh, podcast concept. What do you reckon, Harps? Yeah, I think you're, you're batting a steady C plus, but I reckon you can get to an A minus by the end of next week. Honesty, what do we think? I like it. No, yeah. I've been very impressed this week. I I have stepped in, but only because there's an extremely special guest in the house today, an icon of foxsports.com.au, someone who's uh, writes widely on on cricket and AFL, and has managed to ruffle quite a few feathers with their impactful <laughs> comments. Um, Across the time on, on many different issues. I'm talking, of course, about Tom Morris. Well, Harps, <laughs> <laughs> you are a funny man. I know you're not talking about Tom Morris, but thank you for, anyway for the very kind and unexpected introduction. <laughs> also, in the room, we have Brett Jeeves. <laughs> Brett. Hello. Well, I was going to use the same gag. Oh, which is kind of. Who invited Jerry uh, Seinfeld? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even the employed one. This is a thing. Such a. Yeah, we need to discuss that as well, head of digital. Uh, great to be in Sydney. Uh, yeah, I love Sydney. Yeah, welcome. It did take you a while to get here, you and Tom. We uh, flew you up, especially for the uh, special anniversary edition, the uh, C-plus version of the, the Splash today. And, and yeah, let me, let me tell you. Talk us through it. When you, when you reach the airport uh, at 6.45 a.m., because your flight's at 8 and you're there early because you, you don't want to miss the flight and traffic can be bad in Melbourne, not as bad as Sydney, and you get to the airport and all you want is some breakfast and you order some scrambled eggs and you are told at 7 a.m. that the, the kitchen is not open. <laughs> Fair dinkum. I could have lost it at that point. And then the flight was delayed by three hours and that was my day. Ridiculous. But it's great to be here now, Jeezy. Well, you're only delayed by the wind in Sydney. I was delayed by the snow out of Hobart as well. So from both ends... Uh, we kind of copped a, a bit of a double whack, but uh, no, good to be in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. well, you, the reason I invited you, I guess, is because people will be used to reading your, your content on foxsports.com.au, but probably not hearing your voice. And, and it, it sort of reminds me of an anecdote from when you first sort of started out that, that it, you know, it, I needed to take an opportunity to prove to people that you're actually real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it has been a bit of a challenge, Harps, and um, I think... Potentially because of my style of, of writing and the fact that I'm a little bit left and my sense of humour is probably not what you would see from, from former players or, or current players. Um, there's a bit of Warwick Todd, I guess, you know, a bit of fiction um, around 
and not that I tell lies or anything, but um, yeah, there's a bit of pepper occasionally, and we just happened to be uh, on an ACA Masters tour in, um, in oh, my pronunciation could be poor here, uh, Bansdale, which is country Victoria, long way out of long way out of Melbourne. Tom Morris would be familiar with. I'm aware of that. And <laughs> so the ACA Masters tour is a, a collection of former domestic and international players who. Um, you know, they're the old boys. So we go down and do some school clinics and um, do a sportsman's night and there's a beer and, you know, the, the local punters come and listen to the stories and, you know, they get to meet some of the heroes of the game. So, you know, for me to be involved in that firstly, yep. it's clearly quite humorous on the back of the one day against Bangladesh. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like kissing your sister in some ways. Yes, you got a kiss, but does it count? Yeah. Is it a statistic? <laughs> Um, well, these days it worked, right? <laughs> is it right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, equality is everything. It's become credible. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so there's Hogg, there's Alderman, there's McDermott, and there's Jeeves. And, you know, so I just kind of wander in. I'm standing at the bar, and uh, this, you know, real country schnoozer walks up, and he's like, What's your name, fella? I've got my ACA Masters shirt on. And, oh, my name's Brett Jeeves. And he just started laughing. You're you're not serious, eh? That's a good one. Good good job. And I'm like, well, what what do you mean? Where's the humour in this? And he's like, well, Brett Jeeves is a fake guy that you know. He's like Warwick Todd, and he's not even real. He writes for Fox. <laughs> so he's funny, but <laughs> no. What's your real name? Like you're the physio or something, eh? I'm like, mate, listen here. Like I'm real. Get this. So I had to, you know, I held him down, hands behind his back. Uh, Googled myself. Um, no, I didn't. It wasn't really, uh, Darren Lehman, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, Your no. good friend Darren Bull focals <laughs> Just with a straight smack to the face Unfortunately, anyone, that, anyone that's read any uh, Jeevesy article on Fox Regarding cricket Probably knows what, what we're talking yes. about yeah, or, or his tweets about that as well <laughs> Yeah, so that's yeah, an example I guess Of um, yeah, my style going against me At different stages Well it definitely works I mean around that, that uh pay dispute time you were you were writing some really sort of in-depth stuff and you as well tom on on those um where you know where where do you sort of see that's left australian cricket right now going serious for a minute yeah look it's it's in a bad spot and 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 i think that we're very fortunate that the schedule has meant that the ashes is just around the corner um yeah i think the uh the tour of bangladesh you know came at 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 clearly a bad time for a number of reasons because uh, the players' preparation was was jeopardised through, um, you know, I guess the lateness of of, of the agreements uh, on the heads of agreement for the MOU, um, which meant that in many ways we disre- disrespected Bangladesh again. Uh, they're they're a nation that we haven't played in 11 years in in Test match cricket. Uh, there's been 28 series of Bangladesh Test match series that Bangladesh have been involved in, and we've not played a part in any of those, home or away. Um, so for us to, to go to Bangladesh grossly underprepared because of the pay dispute, I felt was completely wrong in itself. And, and the players you know, should have taken more ownership on the professionalism of preparation, regardless of the lack of pay. They're all well paid enough. And secondly, you know, if, if it was the West Indies touring or if it was Sri Lanka touring this summer, uh, I think we would have seen record lows with regarding attendance and, and eyeballs because, you know, if, if you read social media, um, which is, you know, where people go to, to, to and everyone's got an opinion now, um, everyone was dead against both sides of the, of the argument, I guess, Cricket Australia and the players. Um, and unfortunately, both sides uh, played it really poorly. A um, lot of fighting, a lot of, you know, abrasiveness. Uh, no one helped, you know, the, the public image that this was going to be okay, that cricket was going to survive. 
Um, the imagery from the players was that we want more money, yet, you know, all we saw was the richest of the rich, you know, being stumped up out the front of exclusive golf clubs in Ralph Lauren mm. polos fighting for more money. Um, you know, the image of Shane Watson <laughs> with the rhinoceros handbag. <laughs> Laughable. Straight off yeah. the boat from Milan, um, yeah. you know, off his own yacht that he'd parked in, you know, in wherever the pay dispute was. It just didn't make any sense. I couldn't work out, well, how, there's got to be better stories here, you know, from both Cricket Australia and from the players to ensure that we get the right mm. result here. And to me, the, it's, it's, it's done a lot of damage. The public is the really punter, fighting. The, the general, general punter, punter re- is really sort of, um, you know, they, they see the, the cricketers as the villains in this. It, I had the conversation with, with my dad last week. He said, but, gee, they're a bunch of greedy, uh, greedy you know, so-and-sos. And I kind of had to, you know, explain that it, there's a lot more to it. But that's not really how people are seeing it. Cricket Australia did their job, you know, you, in many regards. You've got to give them credit because, you know, what they did publicly uh, mm. worked. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely worked. And I think there would be a, part, a, small, a small collection of people within Cricket Australia that would have been quietly pleased that the first test was a loss. Um, because what it meant in Bangladesh, what it meant is that the public had a, a voice. You blokes don't deserve it, you know, and we saw it and we read it and, you know, it was disappointing. Importantly, the players do deserve that slice of the pie. Yep. That can't be questioned. It's a model that's used in, um, you know, in the NBA whilst, you know, uh, the, the AFL have gone to it. They're different models um, as such, but overarching, it's revenue share um, and, and that's what's worked in Australia for 20 years. And Tom, we're... Heading off to a tour of India, I mean, that, to me, a tour of India, a one-day tour right now smacks of, you know, being there for financial reasons as well. Is there, uh, yeah. is there a chance that this goes completely wrong when, <laughs> when they come home and they're underprepared for the Ashes? Oh, as, it, as in it goes wrong for the Ashes? Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure it affects the Ashes, but is it a chance it goes completely wrong in India? I think there's a very high chance of that. In <laughs> fact, I think that's probably likely. Um, the fact that you are playing a one-day tour of India... To what just four or five months after you had a test tour of India is really laughable, and it's only because the scheduling system is so fraught with complexities and and uh, and dangers that no one seems to be able to fix. So you had an India test tour, four tests, brilliant test tour, but then that was very cut short right at the end because then the IPL had to start and the IPL had to start then because the RCC Champions Trophy had to start immediately after that. <laughs> it was, so it was all condensed. Now, if you didn't have all these competing demands of T20 cricket and one-day cricket and franchise cricket all over the world, you'd be able to get it right and say, we'll go to India for four test matches, five one-days and three T20s. Instead, they're doing that in September. When you're right, they should be preparing for the Ashes, ideally at home, or playing some cricket in conditions that are at least somewhat similar, or having a pre-season, because there's nothing wrong with that either if you're an international <laughs> cricketer. Yeah. But at the moment, it's just, I don't think it's going to affect Is the Ashes. Thing, but this, pre-seasons. <laughs> look, uh, James Sutherland's been good... Um, in the last few days, he's come out and said these bilateral one-day series of five matches are probably a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. But if this is the last one, I think it's going to be a pretty ugly one for for the Australian cricket team because we're just not prepared to play in India for a one-day series. You know, you, know, you know what's sad, Tom, is that Australia's become the nation that teams are resting their star players against. That's it. <laughs> uh, so uh, ah. Ashwin and Jardasia are not in the Indian... Um, Team. Selected squad. Yeah, they, they, they will take the no part there? in this. They're just being rested. Being re- because there's so wow. much cricket. Right. And again, it's the competing demands of franchise T20 cricket when they use their annual leave, for lack of a better term, to play this T20 cricket versus this international cricket that is meant to be the pinnacle. But really, financially, it pales into complete insignificance to this T20 phenomenon that's taken the world. And, and what does it do for supporters? I mean, I, I see it, uh, the financial... St- 
part of it aside, mm. I see it really as a no win. If we go there and win, does anyone really care no. with the Ashes up? If we go there and lose, people are just going to pile on these players even more. Yes. I mean, is, is, that, is that an issue as well? I think, I think what Jeeves said before about the players being under the pump is absolutely factual. The players after the, the pay dispute are seen as greedy. I don't believe that's fair, but I'm, I'm not the average punter. <laughs> the, the average punter thinks, why they, like your dad, Phil, thinks, why are these players asking for all this money um, when they already paid huge sums? We could speak about the pay dispute for another half an hour. And well, money, money, money defines expectation, doesn't it? Well, it so does. if we go down the road and buy an $8 seafood basket from the little fish and chip shop, yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter if it's overcooked or undercooked or if, cooked yeah. or if we get six chips. But if, yes. if that seafood basket's $38... I want deluxe. I want the creme de la creme of um, yes. seafood. Can you actually use that with regard to seafood? But I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm mixing my. So. I'm mixing them, but it, it, it makes complete sense. So yeah. you know, the public is saying we want the thirty-eight dollars fisherman fisherman's basket. Now that you guys, you know, are getting all this cash, mm. you can't you can't prepare for a week in Darwin when you're going to Bangladesh. And not, and not only are India not playing their best two spinners, we're not sending our coach. Darren Lehman is at home preparing for the Ashes, which I don't really have an issue with, but yep. doesn't it make a mockery of international cricket that teams aren't playing their best teams almost on the regular now, apart from World Cups? Brett, do you feel there's um, an atmosphere shift when the Ashes are here and what, what, in what it means to Australia and Australia? Yeah, massively. And, and you know, I, I kind of see myself as a, as a general punter. You know, as a kid, I grew up loving footy. Um, still a, an enormous AFL fan and, and cricket was always a, a secondary sport for me in terms of watching and love and, and what I wanted to do but when you're five foot eight with a big bum uh, <laughs> foot, AFL footy's not your, not your go-to so um, you know I fell into cricket somewhat and but Australia v England is something that I will watch, whether it's in England or whether yes. it's here. I will support. We're lucky it's the Ashes this summer. It's you're, unbelievable. You're it's just you know it's sort of it's one of those um, series that you know, you know the dates us back to the you know to to the very start. You know the history of it is is immense, and um, you know there's, there's 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 an element of romance that kind of gets me into that. I I, I want to be a part of that. I want to see that. On that, I think the Ashes and the India tour that camouflage is the real problems with international cricket. Yep. We care about India too. We care about South Africa and we care about the Ashes, obviously. But there are so many issues in international cricket. Well, cash is king, Tom. And you know, clearly the fact that we haven't played Bangladesh in Australia, uh, in Australia or in, a, in their last 28 test series where they've played every other nation twice... Uh, suggests that you know revenue out of us playing Bangladesh anywhere mm. just isn't seen as worth it by you know the big dogs, mm. and that's really sad. That's not how international cricket should be played. I'm all for a uh, you know an international competition that provides you know a points-based system so that you play everyone once or twice or however that might actually roll out, so that you know the revenue is shared. We actually Bangladesh can't grow if they don't get Australia, mm. or if they don't get England in England, or you know if they don't get those broadcast rights that. That are huge, um, you know. So how how they meant to grow if you know if, if they're not getting that uh, those opportunities. And what will help with the Ashes hype too is uh, is is have a look at the the team, particularly the bowling attack that will be assembled this summer. The Fox uh, cricket team uh, have just assembled, including Jeevesy, including Tom Morris, to have to really break down what Australia's eleven will look like for the summer. And when you look at the names of Hazelwood Cummins. Uh, you know, in Stark, that Stark yeah. in that same bowling attack, uh, I think I think anticipation will really build uh, for this summer for this Ashes series. Uh, Harps, should we should we discuss some some footy as well? I, yeah, I think it's time to move on because Brett he he did flag there that 
cricket's not his first love. Yeah. Um, that, that footy is. How, says how the, are you loving says it this year? the cricket columnist. Yeah. And, <laughs> no, and, and, right. a bit of footy. and an <laughs> AFL co- columnist, yeah, the yeah, AFL right. outsider. Um, the outsider column is looking at AFL from a, the fan's perspective. From the which, punter. Uh, <laughs> which, you, you know, you're always out there getting stuck into the, uh, <laughs> is it the match review panel? The yeah. Just the, yeah, the, the man. He's yeah. always sticking it to There's the There's plenty man. to go at across any sport, isn't there? Exactly. You know, I mean, the question, you know, the NRL over the weekend, the guy that uh, got called for a knock on the ball went between his legs. How do you knock it on <laughs> backwards? <laughs> I mean, that defies yeah. all logic. But anyway, I would have I would have loved to have written about that, but I think the NRL guys, are, they've <laughs> got, 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 got it covered. Nathan Ryan and the boys are doing yeah. a good job. Look, uh, I mean, as I said, footy's a passion of mine and, um, you know, this year's been uh, phenomenal. The home and away season, I think, has been as close, Tom, as, as any, you know, oh, in, yeah. in, in the last decade, the, the equalisation policies that have been bought in, bought in in terms of, um, you know, cost on footy spending and departments. It seems to be really quite working. But then, of course, we got to the finals first week and we saw three complete blowouts. <laughs> we did. Um, yeah. I was expecting it to be, to be really quite tight. Um, moving forward, I mean, Richmond have got a, you know, they have the golden opportunity now to, to reach a final. Uh, they've got a week off. They'll play uh, an away, well, a, an interstate team, either West Coast or, or GWS, where they'll have to play at the MCG. Yeah. Uh, they look an almost certainty uh, to make it through to the GF. But knowing the Tigers... Uh, and they're past. Uh, there's really no. Service. They have like a very noisy, but also uh, obviously very stressed out supporter base, having uh, dealt with the issues they've had in the past. Um, is there a bit of a fairy tale story the way there was with the Bulldogs with with the Tigers? Yeah, I mean that's probably one for for Tom. I'm not entrenched in Melbourne, so I'm Hobart based. So yeah. the atmosphere and support is is very different. But you know, I was fortunate last year to to cover the grand final from Whitnoval. Um, and there was an enormous level of emotion um, when the final siren went. Rob Murphy got his medallion. Uh, I've never seen 10,000 people collectively cry. It was a, there was an outpouring of emotion. Yeah. The Richmond fans seem almost a little more entitled, like it's expected, like they should win the grand about final. About time. It's about time. Yeah, oh, we've yeah. been on the cusp. We've finished ninth, and we're angry about it. Yeah, we yeah. want someone's head. Um, and there's a much better than even chance that they're going to uh, host an interstate team in the prelim and in the grand final if, if they make it that yeah. far. So they have got an amazing... Well, yeah, what, Adelaide home, home, home final, advantage. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Winning... Geelong's the only team that can you know yeah. uh, potentially stop that from occurring. I don't think that's going to happen. Exactly. Winning a qualifying final was actually not just winning a qualifying final. It was actually a road to the grand final for yeah. them. They are on the good side of the draw. What about the AFL's form there, though, Tom? So... Geelong scrap and fight throughout the home and away season. They finish above Richmond for a home final. And 75,000 Richmond supporters roll in to what should be a Geelong home game. How is that possible? Well, they have a deal with the MCG. Cash is king, they, baby. They don't want to leave. 60, Cash is king. They don't want to leave sixty thousand out. But my point on that, leave them out. If you want integrity and you want equality no, 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 across no, no. the competition, I agree, with, I agree with you. Leave them out. I agree with you to a point, but. Geelong shouldn't play home games. So you don't during, agree with me? To there's a point, a, yeah, yeah. Geelong shouldn't play home games during the season at the MCG. If they don't play home games during the season at the MCG, then they've got every right to say we should play at Simmons Stadium. But they, they want to play at the MCG during the season. They can't have their cake and eat it too. Is that is that being released publicly that, that no, they choose that's to the play? They, they request big games at the MCG so they can make more money. Uh, they'd be stupid not to. They can get 100,000 people there. And, of course, earlier in the season, they, they were forced to play there because Simmons yes. Stadium was still being re- renovated. So yeah. Cash is king. 
Cash is always Ultimately. Um, yeah. on, on this season, you're right, it's been a terrifically close season and we had a little bit of a lull in terms of standards in the middle of the year. But the way it's finished has just been brilliant. But Richmond and the Bulldogs are different entities in that they... The Bulldogs have always been underdogs because they've had a low supporter base. They've, they really came from nowhere and they won a flag before a lot of people thought they were ready. Richmond have a list which should be ready. It wasn't last year. Now it is. I think they've got star power. Um, it's not going to be a fairy tale if they win the flag. It'll just be bloody awesome. Yeah. I think that's the best way to describe it. Look, for someone who's not um, that close on AFL, I mean, I get most of my news via my Swans member sister. And, and, and foxfooty.com.au. And foxfooty.com.au. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and that, company man. He's a company and that man. amazing podcast that oh, you guys yeah. do out of uh, <laughs> Fox Footy in Dorcas Street, Melbourne. Um, Dustin Martin is the name that just keeps yeah. jumping up on our homepage all the time. He's winning awards. He's going to win more awards. Um, yeah. Like, obviously, he's been a good player for a while, but what's taken him to that level this season? Is it the, the people around him, or has he stepped his game No, I think, I think it's just natural progression. He's 25 or 26 years old, and that's normally when people start dominating in his role. Um, but it certainly helps that he's got lots of good players around him. He's always had Trent Cotchin and Jack Rewald and Alex Rands. But this year, they found another probably half a, probably eight mm. to ten players that have stepped up, and that's made him a lot better. The other thing that's really helped him is the role of the tagger has really gone out in AFL, so he's not being checked as closely. But he, he's the sort of player that he's as dominant as a midfielder as Chris Judd was about 10, 15 years ago. He's... he's, he's yeah. Absolutely awesome at the moment, and he's peaking at the right time. I'm glad he's re-signed for seven years because that was the story. But the way that he was able he was able to still play good footy, probably Brownlow Medal winning footy while unsigned, was also a massive credit to him. Has his game gone to another level, or are we just more aware of it now that they're winning games of footy? No. So he's going to get more three votes. You know, we see 35 possessions yeah. and three goals on a winning team. It's like, hey, this guy's now got the goods. But on a losing team, it's kind of like, ah. Eh. I think his game went to another level last year and it's yep. just, he just held it mm. this year but because he's in a better team we're noticing it more yep. but certainly he hadn't won a best and fairest before the start of last year so he's, he won the last year's best and fairest and he'll win this year's best and fairest and mm. all of a sudden he's an absolute superstar of the game he was mm. a very good player and now I think along with Buddy Franklin he's the most valuable player in the game and personality wise does he sort of transcend that uh, Richmond fans is he well liked by other Rich- fans is he, oh. is he he's very hard to dis- he's almost impossible to dislike because he's, he's his own man He's not a cliched, roll-out, in-your-face type character. He's actually the opposite. He shies away from the media spotlight, um, by and large. But what he does have is is amazing charisma on the field. Without saying anything, the way he's able to don't argue and fend his teammates away, or fend opponents away, is quite incredible. Uh, as I said, he's, he's as dominant player as I can remember in the game for a midfielder. Thoughts on uh, the tattoos, Brett? I, I, I heard earlier that you have a Ford Ranger uh, symbol on, <laughs> in a rather inappropriate place. <laughs> it was IMG Cup. That's not true. This is completely not true. Yeah. I have a phobia of needles, so right. yeah. uh, tattoos are not going to be my thing, unless they're those fake ones you get in a lolly packet. Um, so, you know, I'm a chance there. I'm a lolly fan. Uh, no, look, Dusty's, he's a ripper, and, you know, it's rare in the modern day to have an athlete just completely, you know, communicating on the field. His communication off the field is non-existent. He doesn't seek interviews. He's not writing a book. Uh, does he have a column? No. Got a blog? Nothing. No. He's got nothing. He he's got nothing. press conferences. No, so he, he's a guy that is just fully expressing himself on the field, which, as I said, for the modern day, you know, with all the marketing and all the opportunities, um, you know, you, you would expect from a from a future Brownlow. So he's not going to give the Nat Fife uh, Brownlow speech? That, that he will, sort of he classic will give of the, the shortest Brownlow speech of all time. But that, yeah. that's why everyone wants him to win the Brownlow, so you can actually <laughs> hear him speak. I'll tell you, he's, well, he's, la- la- last year would have been the one, Tom, because he looked extremely drunk. Oh, uh, and had he, I was really, really, I was kicking for him. He's the perfect 
He's going to win the Brownlow. It's an absolute lock because he's in a good team, so they've won enough games to get votes, but he doesn't have enough gun players around him, like a Selwood and Dangerfield type, to take votes off him. You, you could put your mortgage on at half. Put everything you own <laughs> on Jeez. Dustin Martin to win the Brownlow. I'm mortgage medal. free now, man. <laughs> oh, no. Jeez, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> Says the boss, yeah. <laughs> any, any final thoughts, boys? We better wrap this up shortly. The oh, splash we... isn't meant to go past 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here in Sydney, really. Uh, this weekend, West Coast versus... Um, GWS, it should be a ripper game. Interesting to see what they do with Stevie Johnson. I think he's going to play. Yeah. Um, and the other thing as well with West Coast is Nick Natanui probably won't play this week, but will he play the week after if they win? Unlikely, but it's a real option for them. And then the Friday night game, of course, talking tonight about the Sydney versus Geelong uh, match from the MCG. I can't really see this game going Geelong's way on form, but anything can happen in the final. The Swans are playing such good footy as well. Yeah, I think what's really stuck out to me today in, in visiting Sydney and visiting the Fox Sports studio is that there's a reason why there are journalists that aren't camera-facing and there's a reason why some are camera-facing. And the guys that I've met today have all been written journalists, radio representatives, podcasts. <laughs> Phil, what are you doing down in the dungeon? You should be front and square. Get a look at this guy. He's the next bachelor, Harps. <laughs> Push him, are you a push him upstairs. I'm not, actually. Every, oh, no, it's a shame. All the rest of Cortina driving <laughs> bogans from the west. He is a man with real class. Get me on screen. Get him upstairs. Get, get I, I think you've been there, done that, haven't you? Yeah. No, he's not yeah. past it, though. No, no, no well, I'm going to have to pitch it. at some point. We'll get the we'll get the splash live on Facebook Get or him back on the screen, well. then. It's Home great to promote a little bit as well. And it's great on the splash we can cross-promote the Ashes preview podcast that we just... Yeah, uh, we just did just before. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. Too. Oh, did I? Sorry, Phil. Well, you can talk about it if you want, but it was a very enjoyable podcast. No, thanks, thanks everyone for being here. It's been great. I've just got to head out. Make sure that Tom's uh, flying back after eight o'clock, so he gets his breakfast tomorrow, and that Jeeva <laughs> gets his uh, thirty-eight dollar fish basket. <laughs> We're all square. Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone's good. Thanks for uh, hosting today, Harps. Uh, and and uh, as we mentioned, uh, check out the Fox Cricket podcast. Uh, the boys have done a big. Um, preview of, of what Australia's uh, 11 will look like for the upcoming Ashes series. That will come out any day. Uh, and for those, for everyone out there listening to The Splash, uh, we thank you uh, yeah, for tuning in. Uh, this will be a Monday to Friday uh, daily thing, looking at the big stories of the day. And until Monday next week on The Splash, that is a wrap. A plus today, mate. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Hubs. <laughs> 